seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The former nurse, Lucy Letby, has been found guilty of murdering seven babies and attempting to kill six others at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Between June 2015 and June 2016, Babies who seemed to be doing reasonably well would suddenly collapse. Lucy Letby was the common factor. The verdicts make the 33-year-old Britain's most prolific baby killer. This was a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It's now a podcast about one of the worst serial killers in modern times. At 12.52pm on Friday, August the 18th, 2023... We brought you the news that a neonatal nurse was guilty of killing babies in her care. After a trial lasting for over 10 months and more than 110 hours of painstaking deliberation, the jury decided that Lucy Letby murdered seven babies at the Countess of Chester Hospital and she tried to kill six more. She was cleared of two further charges of attempted murder and the jury could not reach verdicts on six further allegations. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail. I've been in court throughout and have reported on the case as it developed. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week we've examined what's happened and brought you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. Welcome to episode 57, Toxic Culture. So Liz, since we announced all the verdicts in this case a week ago today, actually... A lot has come out about things in this trial that we had heard, things in this trial that we hadn't heard. Specifically, an awful lot has now been said about the behaviour of hospital management and what was going on on that ward. So specifically, Caroline, we hadn't really heard from the managers of the hospital. They did not give evidence at the trial because it was deemed not relevant to obviously the evidence of how or when the babies were harmed. But a lot has come out of the woodwork since the verdicts. Several of the senior consultants who worked at the hospital have been speaking to the media. 
really outlining in quite a lot of detail the timeline of what happened when Lucy Letby was moved off the unit. We know she put a grievance in in September, then that rolled on to December. We knew she was due back on the ward in March, and for whatever reason that happened, and the police were called in in May 2017. But we didn't really know the ins and outs, who did what, who emailed who, and that is really what has come out over the past few days. And quite frankly, a lot of it has been pretty shocking about what happened. Significantly for this episode, we were really lucky that Dr John Gibbs, who was one of those senior consultants on the ward, who shared the concerns of six other consultants, including Ravi Jayram, Stephen Brewery, and a number of others who were, you know, knocking on management doors to say, we're worried, we're concerned. And I think while no one wanted to jump to conclusions or, you know, call the police in rashly or accuse somebody with absolutely no evidence, uh, you know, unfairly, they were not listened to. And, you know, you talked about, Liz, about the timeline. Everything took forever. I mean, the, the really crucial point, I think, that comes out of our interview with Dr Gibbs is that the management tried everything not to go to the police. Everything. So they were appointing experts to do independent reviews, asking the Royal College to come in, appointing another expert to do another review. The reviews, as you'll hear, were covering medical problems and it needed detectives, it needed police. So it was no surprise in the end that none of those reviews found anything because that wasn't their expertise. No, and they had the wrong remits and each time these reviews were presented to the consultants, they were still left scratching their heads saying, well, that's all very well and good, this review's picked up X, Y, Z but it hasn't addressed our fundamental concern that there could be a member of staff that's responsible for these deaths and collapses. So what you're going to hear from Dr John Gibbs is his account of what he witnessed over months and months working on the ward. He'll talk about a toxic culture. He'll talk about rifts between management, consultants, and in the end, nurses. He'll talk about his own huge regrets Mm. that he wishes he'd done more. So here's that interview. Liz, we're joined by Dr John Gibbs, retired paediatrician from the Countess of Chester Hospital, one of the consultants who was working on the ward at the time when Lucy Letby was attacking patients and desperately tried to do something about it. Yeah, we're really pleased that Dr Gibbs is here today to talk to us. It's fascinating to have someone that was so close to what was going on to chat to. So thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Hello. Can I ask you first, John, any reaction to the verdicts? We're talking to you in the hours after the verdicts because we wanted to wait and talk to you after that to see what your reaction would be. I suppose for some of the families and for many families, it's bittersweet, as the police said, because there's some level of justice but it also makes it true. Yes. Well, very much mixed emotions. Some relief that eventually, after a very long trial, the jury have come to conclusions, and also that in most cases they managed to come to a conclusion on most of the babies. The truth is now out. The jury have determined the truth, having listened and spent a lot of time contemplating the huge amount of evidence that they've heard over nine months. And also a sort of grim satisfaction that the serious suspicions that we paediatricians had about what Lucy Letby 
we felt was might be or probably was doing on the unit have now been confirmed. But of course, it's devastating for the families. It's probably particularly difficult, though, for the families where the jury decided, quite understandably, given the complex nature of the cases, that for a few of the babies, I think four, they could not come to a, a definite verdict on no, them. Still no answers for those babies. Can we go back to June 2015? Between June 2015 and July 2015, there were three deaths. Can you just give us some sense of how that is an unusually high number? Well, on a neonatal unit like ours in a district general hospital, and we have about 3,000 deliveries a year, 300 to 400 patients get admitted to the neonatal unit, some just briefly, some stay many weeks on the unit. We would normally expect anywhere between naught to six deaths, but usually two to four deaths a year. To have three deaths within just over a month is unusual. That's roughly what we'd expect in a year. Yes. And we did think, is there an underlying cause? And at that time, it was something like, is there a strange infection in the unit? But those babies didn't all have an infection associated with their deaths and certainly didn't have the same infection. If they did, then you'd be wondering, is there some contamination somewhere in the unit? You do worry when you get a little little flurry of deaths, but as long as it doesn't continue, mm. that might still be normal. It's because it continued over the year that we became very worried. But that's why Stephen Brewery decided or kept pushing and thinking, oh, well, this needs looking at. I think he asked Darian Powell, the manager of the neonatal unit, to look at the staffing at that stage. And that's when the first association with Letby was first flagged, I suppose, but not really taken seriously at that point. No, I think it was noted at that time that Lucy Letby had been involved with all of those deaths. Generally, when we're reviewing deaths of patients in the hospital, and in particular, in this case, neonates on the neonatal unit, we're not really looking at staffing levels because we don't expect a member of staff to be doing anything unusual. And I think it was the various people, the different consultants, and it was different consultants for those early babies who were called in or around at the time the babies collapsed and tried to resuscitate them unsuccessfully for mm. the babies who died, who noticed that Lucy Letby was there, and then someone else noticed Lucy Letby's there, and then another consultant noticed mm. Lucy Letby's there. We do talk to each other because when a baby dies, we review those deaths. We want to know, is there anything we could have done differently? And we're thinking about ordinary clinical care. Did we follow guidelines properly? Did we diagnose everything that was wrong with the baby? And it was through that that it was noticed that Lucy Letby was there each time. That didn't prompt anything else, I'm assuming, at that point. No. And my feeling when I realised Lucy Letby had been involved in all of this death, it was just very bad luck for her and how unfortunate for her. Mm. And understandably at that, that stage, I think the senior nurses on the unit were very defensive of her. She'd been very unlucky and it's stressful to be, you know, unfortunately involved in several deaths close mm. together. So then what? It then, as you said, you know, looking at the raw data, the cold raw data, those three deaths in a short space of time could have been your annual number because yes. that would have tallied with what had gone before. Yes. But as you said, if it stops there we're fine. But in addition to it being unusual that there were three deaths fairly close together, there were some unusual features associated with those deaths. Again, that in itself didn't raise significant concerns, just a bit of concern. 
It was when the deaths and collapses continued and most of them were associated with some unusual features that it raised great concern. Just remind us what those unusual features of the first three were. Unusual rashes um, Mm -hmm. and also unusual responses to resuscitation. So they weren't responding in the normal way or they were responding later? They weren't responding as you'd expect, really, and it varied in different patients. And some of those responses to resuscitation that were unusual could be that there was no response at all, where you expect to get some sort of response, even if in the end it's not successful, the resuscitation. Or for some babies, they responded unusually well. They seemed to collapse catastrophically, have a, a heart-lung collapse, so a cardiorespiratory arrest and then seemed to recover as though nothing had happened and be temporarily almost back to normal. Now, in retrospect, and I didn't suspect this in the babies I was involved with, I don't think my colleagues did, if there's something like a large air bubble travelling through the circulation blocking the heart, then the baby can will collapse catastrophically and could die. With all the resuscitation attempts, you can disperse that air and it pops out of the heart and the baby suddenly recovers. But we didn't realise that was happening. All we knew is these babies were responding in an unusual way, some not responding at all, and some, strangely, responding far too well. It's the first time I've heard that. So the resuscitation attempts could almost pop the air bubble. I agree that that didn't really come out, but there was talk in the trial of the kind of CPR efforts that went on for a long time and eventually worked, and nobody could work out why. I think... Baby M was one of those. It's not unusual not to respond fully to resuscitation because sadly, of any at any age, patients who deteriorate, particularly if they've got usual medical conditions that are overwhelming their body, when they deteriorate and, and have a cardiac or cardiac and respiratory arrest, a severe collapse, it's not always possible at all to, to save those patients. But it's just that for babies that had appear to be behaving normally, the observations were satisfactory, to suddenly collapse and then you can get no response mm. and, the, and the resuscitation's unsuccessful, that's unusual. So it's a combination, not just that the resuscitation was unsuccessful, there was no indication why the baby collapsed in the first place. You can't always predict. and You don't always have the answers and, and very frustratingly for families of, of a patient who's collapsed and sadly sometimes died, it's not always possible to determine exactly why some patients have collapsed. So we don't have all the answers all the time in medicine, but it was the sort of developing pattern of repeatedly not being able to explain the deaths or having unexpected collapses. Because then we heard, obviously, after those three deaths, that another baby died in August and then another baby died in October. So you are kind of looking at five deaths in, in a fairly short space of time. And I think... Dr. Breary emailed managers at that point and said, you know, I'm concerned about this spiking deaths and the association with Letby was noted again. And I think at that point we heard that Alison Kelly, the nursing director, said, oh, we'll see. Let's see what happens. Mm, And nothing was done again. And then you fast forward again to February. By this point, a specialist from, from the women's hospital had been asked to have a look at the run of deaths. And although he couldn't find a cause, again, the association with Letby was flagged. And that's, I think, when it became a bit more serious. Is that my, is that correct? Is that my right reading of it from February? Yes. I think by October, suspicions were just beginning that could it be anything to do with Lucy Letby? 
Because as we said before, it was noted for those early deaths around June and July that Lucy Letby had been involved at the time of their deaths. But that was felt to be just a coincidence and mm. bad luck for, at that time, poor Lucy Letby. Mm. When she continued to be associated with some deaths and collapses, and those deaths and collapses in various ways seemed unusual, or so, not always, but sometimes completely unexpected, that then started to raise dark suspicions that could Lucy Letby be doing something? But again, no one knew what it was she was doing. No one saw her do anything to harm a patient. But it was by February time when these collapses and deaths were continuing that a review of all the deaths since the previous June was undertaken. As you say, mm-hmm. an experienced neonatologist, consultant in um, newborn care, he came to the County of Chester Hospital to review the deaths and he'd look through the paperwork and the records beforehand. And it was noted that some of these deaths seemed unusual to, and, and that was in the opinion of this outside mm. neonatologist. But he also highlighted her that, presence, didn't he? That Lucy Letby had been involved in all of them, yes. You talked about dark suspicions by October 2015. Well, so they began to emerge then. How does that manifest as a group of experienced consultants? What are you saying to each other? Well, I say we're only beginning to wonder whether there might be some worrying association, not just that Lucy Letby just happened to be there, but why was she there each time these unusual collapses were happening? The main concern at that stage was that we were having an increasing number of deaths and collapses and we were still looking and searching for clinical, normal, ordinary clinical reasons Mm. for that. And we kept asking ourselves, we didn't have to be asked this repeatedly by the defence barrister during the trial, we were asking ourselves, are we doing something wrong? Are our procedures and practices failing in some way? Why is this happening? But there was nothing. There was nothing that explained the deaths and collapses. Clinical care doesn't always proceed perfectly all the time for every patient. And in reviewing the deaths and collapses, it was noted that on occasion, antibiotics hadn't been given quickly enough. On occasion, infection hadn't been diagnosed early enough. Mm -hmm. There are certain medicines that premature babies need to help their lungs when they're very stiff. And on occasion, not every time, just in the odd patient, it wasn't given early enough. So there were all ways that we could have improved our practice. We didn't think any of those ones I've mentioned actually caused the death, mm. but they they may have contributed to it. Okay. At that point then, in, in sort of from October to sort of February, what was the atmosphere like on your unit? How was it working there? It was a little tense, but every neonatal unit is busy There's a lot going on. There's a lot of babies who are quite vulnerable with very special needs. And most of your effort and thoughts are directed to doing the best you can for the babies. I don't think most of us, or I wasn't at that time, worrying about Lucy Letby most of the Mm -hmm. time. There was dark thoughts at the back of your mind. And then, sadly, we were hoping that because these deaths were being reviewed in the risk management review structure that these concerns would be addressed through that means. And so do you think then that, you know, the very nature, like you said, of a neonatal unit being busy, that helped her do what she did because people were, you know, maybe distracted? Yes, I think that's quite true. And that Lucy Letby herself didn't behave abnormally as far as I could see at all on the unit. And she was quite quiet and she seemed conscientious Mm -hmm. and no one saw her do anything to harm a patient. And that helped her 
operate in plain sight like we've talked about yeah, and go have. under the radar. Yeah. Yes. yes. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When is the first point at which managers you feel should have acted? I know that it's been pointed out that the association with Lucy Letby was noted after the first three deaths, so by July 2015. I don't think any of us, or certainly speaking for myself, really thought that anything suspicious was happening at that time. It's different in retrospect when you've looked at what's happened over the year, when you look back at those deaths and discuss them in court. Yes, we were very worried about them and we were concerned about Lucy Letby's association with them. But that concern was because what had happened you know, over the, com- the, the subsequent months, not at that time. Mm, yes. The managers couldn't have done anything at that time. It would have been inappropriate for them to have taken further action at that time. I feel probably the same applies to around about October 2015 as well. Um, We were not saying to managers, we think someone might be murdering babies on the unit or trying to murder them in October. By February, when an external experienced senior paediatrician, well, neonatologist, had come to help review the deaths with Stephen Breary and uh, some of the nurses and the risk management team, and concerns were highlighted at that stage So we're on February 2016, and is that the point at which management should have listened? Well, that was a point which concerns about the number of deaths, the nature of some of them, and the association with Lucy Letby was made not just by Stephen Brewery, supported by the rest of us paediatricians, but also by an external paediatrician who'd come in to help review the, the deaths. So through the clinical risk management structure, and that's what these meetings were, those concerns were fed back to the director of nursing and um, medical director. And because it was his role, Stephen Breary had passed those concerns on. And I think he said that he asked for a meeting, an urgent meeting, and he had nothing back for three months. Now, I wonder amongst the consultants, I mean, you you were asked in court whether you should have gone to the police at that point. Yeah. Is that, is, do you feel, is that a, a regret now for everyone? Yes. Yes. I'm not certain that we should have gone straight to the police in February or after February 2016. But I do accept that maybe we could have done that. Yes. And sadly, at least two lives would have been saved if that had happened. Yes. 
Yes. There's always a bit of a time delay between contacting managers um, when they can arrange a meeting and so on. It it really shouldn't have been three months. Yeah, but I mean, I mean it, it could be a few weeks, but it depends on the nature of those concerns, of course. The nature of the concerns was of, of a matter of grave importance. Yes, but the managers need to answer for themselves and they need to explain what they did and why they did it. I would imagine, particularly on the, of the way they behaved after that, that perhaps by this stage they'd already decided that or felt that the concerns we consultants were raising about Lucy Letby were unjustified. And I believe they were being given strong reassurances from more senior nursing side on the neonatal unit that it couldn't possibly be Lucy Letby doing anything to harm patients. So by this point then, there's a real conflict, isn't there, between the consultants, senior nurses and managers? Yes. Again, you talked about it being quite tense back in July 2015. How was it at this point? It was getting more tense on the unit. Did you resist working with her when you were sort of called and she was in a, in that room did your heart sink or a bit later it did yes mm. there was a feeling of doom that was something about to happen again but now we know that the trial is over we know what Lucy Letby was doing. We did not know she yeah. was doing that. Yeah. We did not know how she was it's doing easy it. easy to say, I suppose, yes. with hindsight now, Ab- isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think the poor parents would think, why on earth didn't we just drag her off the unit and go to the police ourselves? But we didn't know what was going on at the time. It's a, a difficult discussion that we'd had amongst us paediatricians on and off over the coming months after Lucy Letby had left the unit and the managers or... The hospital in a system was not uh, involving the police. We did keep asking ourselves, are we sure what's happened? Do we know that Lucy Letby has done this? Are we being terribly unfair, not particularly or just to Lucy Letby, which would be awful to accuse someone wrongly, but also the fear of what are we going to do to these families, raising suspicion there could have been criminal activity, murder of their babies, and we got it wrong. But during the discussions, it became clear that, well, even if we have got it wrong, if we have that suspicion, what can we do? Ignore it? Sit on it? Or who are the people that can investigate it properly? Mm. And we realised after a time, this is much later on, Mm. and this is a lesson to be learnt, the only people that can investigate it properly were the police. Were the police. After Lucy Letby had left, been removed from the neonatal unit, various other investigations, internal ones in the hospital, ones by the Royal College of Paediatricians, ones by another neonatologist from London looking at the deaths. What we've learnt in hindsight from all of that is none of those investigations were properly designed, equipped or competent to look no, at criminal activity. Criminal. And crucially, what was missed again was the fact that another baby had been poisoned with insulin and again that test was missed and you know you can't help but think if the significance of those blood tests had been seen then it would have had a different slant altogether on your suspicions. Yes one of the strongest pieces of evidence in the trial was the fact that um, that two babies were found to have been given insulin and I have to admit we missed that on the neonatal unit and when I say we I mean all of us consultant paediatricians. A difficulty though just to explain the insulin results, because they were so important, the results come back many days, and in one case, a week after they'd been taken. Each of those babies had recovered from their low blood sugar and were not causing concern at the time the results came Mm. back. 
But it wasn't as though those tests were ignored. They were looked at. They were misinterpreted. I think that's one lesson that needs to be learnt, but it's not a quick, easy fix. The insulin results are complicated. They don't come back with a normal range saying this is high, this is low. Lucy Leckby didn't use insulin in most of her cases, as far yeah. as we're aware, and it's not. we did not measure insulin levels in every baby, but we do know, sadly, from the occasional healthcare professional in the past and try to harm patients, insulin is one of the ways that several healthcare people mm. have tried to harm or seriously harm patients in the past, which is why looking at how we interpret insulin results and how the labs report them is important. Mm. You mentioned after February 2016 there was a, a bit of a lull, if you like, so the, the deaths had started to not be quite as frequent and then there was the awful, awful incident with two of the triplets. Your, your comment in court at that point was, it was a tipping point. Can you just remind yes. us of, of what you came into that day? We've already talked about how serious concerns were beginning to occur from February 2016 onwards. And so there was this feeling that hopefully nothing more is going to happen. So that when I realised that at that stage a severe collapse had happened and, and unfortunately it led to the death, I did think when I arrived on the neonatal unit, the collapse had happened before I arrived, I did think, oh no, not again. And I think other colleagues were involved in those patients and they had a similar feeling as well. And that was a stage because we'd been wondering what to do. We hadn't gone straight to the police. We were waiting for the senior managers to take action following that review meeting in February 2016. Once two more patients died, we just felt that was it. Something has to be done. And because of concerns about Lucy Letby, we consultants felt that we don't know that she, what she's done, we don't know how she's done it, or even if definitely she has done something to harm the patients, but she's got to get off the unit while this is sorted out. You say really eloquently that you don't know how, and you don't actually know for sure that it is happening, but I think you did think that by that point. Well, we can't ignore the fact that there are accumulating number of unexpected, unusual deaths and collapses and one member of staff involved in all of them. So, of course, we had dark thoughts about what you might have been doing that have now been proved correct at the end of the trial. We know that Steve Breary rang Karen Reese and said I on that Friday night and said, I don't want her working tomorrow and Karen Reese isn't here to answer for herself. Mm -hmm. I've actually spoken to her, actually, and she says her, her recollection of that conversation is slightly different for whatever reason, she refused his request. In the trial, by that point, there was obviously seven suspicious deaths. Was there more that she was involved with or she was on duty for? Yes, there were, but some of those, and at least one of them, because I was directly involved in the uh, unfortunate baby, were, I feel, natural deaths. There were at least several more deaths, mm. The police are reviewing every patient Lucy Letby ever encountered or cared for. Stephen Breary asked for her to be removed off the ward. She wasn't the following day she came back in again. And after that, she was then removed and put in a desk job. Yes. And we didn't really hear much about this in the trial, actually. But I, I wonder, did things just change? Did babies just stop collapsing? with such regularity and so unexpectedly? Yes. I think it's been seven years now since uh, the last of those deaths, and there's been one death on the neonatal unit in seven years. Wow. One death? One. 
two important measures were taken after June 2016. One was Lucy Letby was removed from the neonatal unit. The second was the neonatal unit decreased its number of beds from 16 down to 12 and reduced the severity of illness of babies we'd accept. And, and the simple way of doing that is that before June 2016, we'd accept babies from 27 weeks upwards, so mm-hmm. some very premature babies. From July 2016, the unit only accepted babies from 32 weeks upwards. And so you would expect that measure, just changing the unit like that, to reduce the number of, of deaths that, uh, that would occur on the unit. But you wouldn't quite expect such a dramatic change. And it was a year before the police were called in. And I just wonder, what were you trying to make happen? It wasn't so difficult at all then, and the tension wasn't so bad because Lucy Letby was no longer on the unit. And, as we've mentioned, over the next seven years, one death, but there were none occurring and during that time. Mm. That- but she was furious. She obviously put this grievance in, and so in the background, you're thinking, oh, well, at least she's in a, an office job and she can't harm any patients. Yes. But managers were having to investigate this HR grievance that yes. she was saying, you know, I want to get back to frontline nursing. I've done nothing wrong. These consultants have got it in for me. I've, it, and so as, the, as that train kind of moved along, the consultants, as I understand it, are still saying to management, we're still not satisfied that these deaths have been explained. And just explain what the, the management decided to do. They still didn't want to call in the police and they put in a couple of other n- different measures to a, try and avoid doing that, didn't they? Yes. Was there a feeling amongst the consultants that you were still really unsatisfied. Yes. There was a a difficult meeting at the end of January 2017 where all of us consultant paediatricians met with the senior managers, which included the chief executive, director of nursing and the medical director. To be clear, John, that was Tony Chambers, Ian Harvey and Alison Kelly. Yes. And then all seven consultants? Yes. Right. Okay. And we thought we were going to discuss these investigations that had taken place. But in fact, that meeting turned out to to be rather different and totally surprised me and I think my colleagues as well, but really sort of shocked me. So we thought we were coming to this meeting in January to discuss these uh, investigations. But at that meeting, we were just told the summarised results of the investigations. Was it at that meeting that you were told she's going to come back? Yes. What I remember the chief executive saying at that meeting, at the end of the meeting, was that he was drawing a line under this issue and he ran his finger across the desk, drawing a line, whilst he looked round at each of us paediatricians sitting there. I don't quite recall him. I'm not saying he didn't say there'll be consequences if you cross that line, but I don't remember myself him saying that. I thought he said, do you understand, as he looked round the room. Did you feel bullied in that meeting? I did feel to some extent, intimidated, yes. And when you left, the seven of you left the room, I wonder, did you go for coffee and say, what have we just sat through? What what, what now? Or did you go and all process it as individuals? Or what happened then? How did you come to terms with what you'd been told? We met together again quickly. I don't remember exactly how we did it. I think we wanted to meet straight away. But of course, there were seven of us. Some of us had clinics, some of us had duties on the ward yeah. to get on to. So within later that day or the next day, we all met together. And really, when, when we had to process what had happened at that meeting, we just sat there and said, what happened? What's just gone on? Because we still were stunned by the meeting. We were all struggling to know what to do. 
because yeah. when, when you talk about what was the atmosphere like at different times, but particularly after Lucy Letby left the unit while we were still waiting to see what would happen, and eventually the police came in, but also over the last few years, while the police have been undertaking their investigations, it's been so difficult for the neonatal nurses because they know, and I think over time, quite a few of them have come to realise that possibly or probably Lucy Letby was, being, was doing something very wrong. I think they must have found that devastatingly difficult to accept at first the realization um, that she's manipulated you and yes, you know yes. manipulated your trust yeah. and betrayed your trust and, and just yeah. like we consultants and we because we, we're meant to be experienced clinicians we carry responsibility for the patients we keep asking couldn't we have done something earlier shouldn't we have spotted mm. it earlier what should we have done well, you can say the same for the nurses as How well. How did she do this under my nose? Yes. I was on this shift when, yes. when you know, this baby died. So it's so difficult for them, but they have had to carry on with the neonatal unit, offering a good standard of care, one death in seven years, excellent standard of care. It's been very, very hard for them as well. And your feelings at that point? Well, I was still shocked. We had been told how stressful it had been for Lucy Letby, a letter from her was read out explaining how unfair she felt we paediatricians had been. We were told that the chief executive had met her father and her and had discussions with them. Uh, and we'd also before that been told that we should write a letter of apology to Lucy Letby. And then the meeting ended with, as I say, the chief executive making it clear that he was drawing a line under this issue. Wow. And how did you feel then about having to write a letter of apology to her? Well, the writing of apology seemed inappropriate, but the whole of that meeting shocked me, so I wasn't really sure what was going on at the time. At the time we were asked to um, write that letter, we didn't feel it was justified, we didn't feel it was uh, appropriate, but because we'd been asked to draw a line under this issue, we felt we weren't going to stop pushing our concern that these were unnatural deaths, but we could at least write the letter... We didn't apologise for raising those concerns at all. We didn't uh, say anything about whether we felt those concerns were true or not. Mm -hmm. We merely apologised to Lucy Letby for any inappropriate comments that may have been made and also for the distress that had been caused by raising those concerns. But in a way, we just did that to comply with what we were asked to do. We had no intention of stopping with pushing those concerns. And how did you feel about the prospect of her being in close proximity to your patients again, though? Well, we were very concerned about that happening. But after that meeting, when we got together as consultants and discussed what was going on, we knew that if there were going to be consequences, that could cause problems for us. We weren't sure what those consequences might be. But we discussed amongst ourselves, are we prepared to carry on and keep pushing that we're very concerned about Lucy Letby, even if that may have consequences for us? And we just knew we had no choice. That's a big decision, though, isn't it? I mean, all of your careers were on the line at that point. Well, we didn't know that our careers would be on the line, but that was a possibility. Well, yes. You're sticking your necks out yes. for, for your patients. Yes. Ultimately, yes. you thought you had, nothing, had no choice but to do that for the safety of the babies. Yes. We began to realise we were in confrontation, direct confrontation with the managers, and that we have no choice but to fight this and eventually to make sure the police get involved. Were you almost in like a it's it's us or them kind of situation with, with the management? It's, it's, it's us or her? Sadly, by that stage, yes. Yeah. When eventually the police were called in, 
I know we've talked before about the Child Health <laughs> Protection Overview Panel, is that correct? Yes, Child Death Overview Panel. Which is a regional panel that it's almost like a safeguarding panel, as I understand it, for when a child dies, there's the, uh, the death is looked into, but a police officer sits on that panel. Yes. So how did you get the managers to come with you to that panel for that meeting, if they were resistant to talking to the police at all? Well, it's because between January and um, around April of 2017, we consultants had sent a series of letters, three letters, signed by all seven of us to the chief executive expressing concerns. It sounds a bit odd we'd written to the chief executive, but all the other measures that had been undertaken, the usual clinical risk management meetings discussing the deaths and concerns about that, hadn't resolved the issue, hadn't addressed the concerns about Lucy Letby. So then we decided we wanted it formally documented. We would write letters and all sign them. And And what did they say? Yeah, what did they say? Well, the initial letter was just asking for clarification for that meeting. What what had we done wrong? What we were being asked to do regarding Lucy Letby, the letter of Mm -hmm. apology. The second letter was asking for the coroner to be involved, to let the coroner know that we were concerned about the deaths. Because not all, but most of those deaths had been reviewed by the coroner's service between 2015-2016. And then the third letter was saying that we didn't actually say we think there have been murders and attempted murders. We were thinking that, but we didn't say that in the letter. We just said we were very concerned that the deaths were unnatural and about Lucy Letby's association with all these unnatural deaths. But when you're saying deaths are unnatural, Mm. we're saying they're not medically explicable. So those letters had been written and they'd been sent, so you had all that on record. And then it sort of forced that panel, if you like, and for these complaints to go to that panel. So that panel was was a really significant moment in bringing all of this to a head and, and actually making sure it stopped. It was the chair of the Child Death Overview panel, plus the police officer who represents the police at that on that panel. And as soon as they started talking about our concerns about the deaths and that one of the members of the staff might have had some involvement in those deaths, the chair of the Child Death Overview panel said, you have no choice but to involve the police. And it's after that the trust asked the police to get involved. So between January and May, before the police got involved, obviously tensions growing between the trust and consultants. It must have been quite a toxic place to work. There was a very difficult relationship between us consultants as a body and senior management. But on the ward with patients uh, on the neonatal unit and the rest of our Mm. work in the paediatric ward, we were continuing to work with all of our colleagues, working hard to do our best for the patients under our care. And that concern about was Lucy Letby doing something to harm the patients wasn't there anymore because she wasn't working on the unit. So why? Why did the managers not want the police involved when it was something so serious, so devastating for the confidence of the community and, you know, women having babies in Chester. My kids were born in Chester. Mm. You know, you've got to have, if your community has no confidence in your service, that surely is worse than a bit of bad publicity about a police investigation that, who knows, could have turned out, found nothing untoward. They didn't know at that stage, did they? Yes, and and it... My simple answer to to your very appropriate and challenging question is, (laughs) I don't know. 
from what I've heard, from what I heard at the time, from what I've heard from colleagues and so on that have been involved in some of the meetings I wasn't at, some of the meetings I was involved with, I think the managers who really do need to answer for themselves mm. and an inquiry would give them the opportunity to do that, probably could not accept and just could not believe that a member of staff could be killing a series of patients in the hospital. They just couldn't believe it was possible. Mm. I don't have direct evidence of this, but I've been told that some of the senior nurses were very strongly defending Lucy Letby, and, and they just couldn't believe she could have done anything. So I think they closed their minds to the fact that she could have done that too soon. It is a shame that despite all of us consultant paediatricians expressing concerns, that our clinical experience and our, our repeated observation that these deaths were outside our normal experience, they were unnatural, unusual in different ways, that advice wasn't heeded. But I think the managers need to answer for themselves because I know what the paediatric side, paediatric consultants were telling them. I don't know exactly what other people were telling the managers and what other advice and information they were getting yeah. if they were from elsewhere. And that's why a public inquiry is the right yes. forum, isn't it? Yes. One of the things about this case that we should address is the people who work on these units, you, the consultants, the doctors, the nurses, your lifesavers. You know, you, you go into this profession to save lives and the nurses on a neonatal unit, for anyone who's been on a neonatal unit with their children, are superhuman. And Lucy Letby's actions should in no way diminish that profession. I think that's important, yes. don't you? Yes. She's betrayed the trust of all the families who've entrusted their, their babies to her care, to our care, but she's betrayed the trust of all her nursing and medical colleagues. And the, and the, the blunt truth is that she was accused of murdering seven babies and attacking ten more. She's been found guilty of murdering seven babies and attacking six babies, but arguably those ten babies wouldn't be with us today if it wasn't for the skills Absolutely. of those nurses and doctors like yourself on that unit who harrowing evidence we heard that some babies had you know 30 minutes of CPR before they recovered some of them have been left with lifelong um, disabilities and brain injuries it's shocking to, in, in the extreme really what what what's happened you, you've you've saved so many of these children uh, as a team but that must that must be awful absolutely awful yes i mean it's it's really distressing when you lose any baby it's distressing when a baby collapses and you have to resuscitate them even though it's hugely gratifying when they recover afterwards you come to accept and when you've worked on the neonatal unit for a while you realize that's part of the job what you don't realize and what you shouldn't normally have to experience is when it keeps on happening again and again that was the problem the intensity of it over such a short period of time the people who suffered the most are the parents, but the staff have suffered and the staff are never going to recover from this fully. So something you said before we recorded, it surprised me actually because my, one of my questions to you was going to be, do you feel vindicated? Actually, you made the point that you feel that some of the families may not forgive you. Yes. When you say, are we, do we feel vindicated, relieved that decisions were made, the jury were able to come to decisions for most babies, relieved that those did support the serious concerns we had that Lucy Letby had been harming patients deliberately, but 
vindicated sort of has connotations of celebrating or being pleased about something. There's never going to be a good outcome for this trial, whichever way the verdicts went. There are some answers for parents now, but not complete answers. The inquiry might provide a few more answers. We still have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, we know we've discussed it together as consultants. We will always, we'll never know the answer because that's in the past. Should we have gone to the police earlier? Could we have gone to the police earlier? Should we have just bypassed all the management procedures, the clinical risk management meetings that kept, kept occurring and just go to the police? And I would imagine some of the parents, particularly of babies towards the end of the series of babies in the trial, would be blaming us for not having done that earlier. We had a, a fight to get to this stage. Mm. And I think as a, collectively, if I look at all my consultants, we stood together, we supported each other uh, in all the time when we were feeling somewhat intimidated by the the way the management approach turned out by January 2017. But we do have to ask ourselves, could we have done better? Should we have done better? And what do you think? Yes, I think we could. We've talked about insulin levels. That may have brought things to a head a bit sooner. Maybe, yes, we could have gone to the police and bypassed all the management structure and just gone straight to the police. At the time, we thought we were doing the right thing. In retrospect, maybe we could have done more, yes. Dr John Gibbs, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's it for episode 57. We'll be back on Monday with two episodes. Both those episodes reflect the utter human tragedy of what's happened because we're going to hear from some of the parents. You can catch more of our post-verdict episodes on Mail Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You can give us a rating and you can share the podcast. You can also follow me at Liz Hull or send us an email at thetrialoflucyletby at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or follow me at Radio Caroline. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.